Welcome back to the Homestyle MMA Podcast. This is Sean Van Buren here for episode 13. Today we're going to be talking about the PFL featherweight and women's lightweight semifinal playoffs and the UFC 278 Usman vs. Edwards 2 card. Buckle in folks, this one will be a long one because the UFC 278 includes early prelims. We're going to try to keep the early prelims and prelims short for the UFC, that way we can cover all the information Without the episode getting too long, I'd like to keep this one under an hour if possible. If my predictions come true, I'm very excited for both finals matchups that will come out of this Saturday in the PFL, and this would be another huge title defense for Kamaru Usman if he can pull it off against Leon Edwards, who's rattled off 10 wins in a row with his last loss coming in their first matchup. The UFC card is full of super close fights. The odds are saying otherwise, so we'll probably have to get a little creative with our betting this weekend. Let's take a look at last weekend and roll it forward into the upcoming fights. Time for the Rapid Recap. Let's just start off by saying it was another great weekend for underdogs and finishes, but we didn't always pick the right underdogs this week. In the PFL, we're going to be having Sadabu C versus Delano Taylor for the welterweight championship, and Mateus Scheffel versus Ante Deliha for the heavyweight championship. Not at all what I expected to say. Sadabu C versus Carlos Leal was as good as advertised. Both fighters have a lot of skill. I thought the fight was tied going into the third round, and the ref made a huge decision, really surprisingly, when he took a point from Carlos Leal after a groin strike on Sadabu. I thought it was accidental. It appeared to be the first time that it happened in this fight, so I thought a warning would have been significantly more justified. Carlos Leal proved that he does deserve to fight in this elite organization, but Sadabusi got the win with his sharp striking, very sound takedown defense. He fought decently behind his length, There were times in this fight where he forgot about the jab, but I do think he'll need to be a little bit more efficient, a little bit more aggressive in the championship fight if he wants to win the $1 million. Mateus Scheffel versus Juan Adams. This fight went pretty much exactly how I expected, except for the result. I said that Juan Adams had to wrestle to win, and he shot a lot of takedowns, but he ran out of gas. After landing four takedowns, he slowed way down, his hands started to drop, and Mateus Shuffle just didn't get tired. He started picking him apart on the feet, had significantly more energy and speed, and eventually Mateus Shuffle got the TKO victory after the ref called a stop to the fight. Shuffle looked very sharp on the feet. He was never really in danger in this one. He did get controlled on the ground a little bit when the fight was there, which is why I said that's how Juan Adams could win. And Ante Deliha is going to utilize that game plan in the championship. He used it in his matchup. He's very good at wrestling. Mateus Scheffel has got to find a way to stay on his feet. I told you that Ante Deliha versus Renan Ferreira was going to end by a finish, but we picked the wrong guy. This was the scariest fight to bet because these were the best two heavyweights in the playoffs by far. Ante Deliha got the fight tight against the cage early, worked the fight to the ground, and just dominated from there. Ante Deliha got the ground and pound finish in round one, and I think he's probably going to finish Mateus Scheffel again in the championship. His wrestling was just absolutely relentless. He had very smart striking on the ground. He made sure to wrestle, control position, and selectively shoot his punches so that he can continue to keep Renan Ferreira on the ground. He wore down Renan Ferreira, and Ferreira covered up and wanted to be out of there. Roy McDonald versus Delano Taylor was a very interesting fight. It was a super impressive win for Delano, but a very sad first round knockout for the first time in his career for Roy McDonald. 
Delano Taylor looked sharp on the feet right away from this one, and Rory looked a little bit timid in there. He was stiff on the feet, didn't throw a lot of strikes. Delano was putting a much higher output out in that first round. He eventually landed a massive right hand that knocked down Rory McDonald. Delano jumped on him and finished the fight by knockout. Great win for Delano. The striking matchup between him and Sabadusi should be pretty excellent, so that is exciting to look forward to. Ultimately, Delano Taylor just seemed like he wanted it more that night compared to Rory McDonald. Unfortunately, a day after the fights, Rory McDonald announced his retirement from MMA. He's an absolute legend. He had an excellent MMA career, and I hope he enjoys his retirement. Recapping the UFC, we had Arian Lipsky versus Priscilla Cachoeira. This was moved to the main card, and Cynthia Cavillo versus Nina Nunes was moved to the prelims. Jason Witt versus Josh Quinlan was moved to catchweight and added to this week after the fight was postponed last week. First fight of the night was Yusef Zalal and Damon Blackshear. Absolutely brilliant wrestling and jiu-jitsu. It ended up leading to a majority draw, but a very impressive debut for Damon Blackshear. Josh Quinlan looked very sharp on the feet, landed a lightning-fast left hook that shut off the lights of Jason Witt. Tyson Nam had his long-awaited return to the octagon and stopped the momentum of Ode Osborne with a big-time right hook knockout in round one. Ode will bounce back. He just got a little too fancy without setting up his wild and creative strikes against a very well-balanced boxer. Charlie Ontiveros came out, also throwing a very unique set of strikes and kicks from a distance, but Gabriel Benitez closed that distance very well to neutralize the size advantage, grabbed him, picked him up, and threw Ontiveros on the ground, then jumped on him and got the first-round TKO victory. Nina Nunes outstruck Cynthia Calvillo to a decision victory that was followed by her retirement from competing as a fighter. She'll be a full-time coach and parent going forward. Enjoy your retirement, Nina Nunes. The Martin Boudet versus Lucas Bresky fight was just straight up odd. Bresky threw a ton of volume, both guys threw massive power, and this one surprisingly went to the judges. These guys had finished almost every single one of their wins. They couldn't finish each other in this one. Once it did go to the judges, I thought the judges got it completely wrong and gave the win to Martin Boudet instead of Lucas Bresky. Both fighters showed that they're very strong heavyweights to keep an eye on going forward, but I do think the volume of Lucas Bresky in all three rounds, should have easily won him the fight. Angela Hill got stunned by Lupe Godinez twice in round one, but she bounced back very well to get the decision win. Lupe Godinez had the undeniable wrestling advantage, and she just didn't use it. She was pulled into a striking battle with Angela Hill, and Hill just continued to get better and better as the fight progressed. Gerald Mearshart demonstrated significantly improved striking against Bruno Silva. He actually outstruck Bruno Silva in this one. The jiu-jitsu specialist outstruck the striker. He dropped Silva in round three with a left hook, jumped on a guillotine choke for the finish, and got another submission victory in the third round. Silva was either going to win by knockout or Mearshart was going to win by submission going into this one, and we picked the wrong side. Ultimately, Mearshart looked better on the feet as well. Priscilla Cachoeira came out guns blazing against Arian Lipsky. Cachoeira pulled Lipsky into an absolute brawl and got the TKO victory one minute into round one. Cachoeira set herself up for a big fight in her next appearance. Hopefully it will be against a ranked opponent, but we will see. Devin Clark versus Azamat Mirzakhanov. It involved a lot of kicks early, specifically to the body as we saw the Orthodox versus Southpaw stances. The body shots paid dividends for Azamat when he dropped Devin Clark for the second time in round three with a left hook to the body jumped on him with ground and pound and won via round three knockout. Yasmin Jaredi versus Jasmine Lucindo delivered and the crowd went wild for this fight. 
These women went to war for all three rounds. They were throwing a ton of power with a ton of volume. They beat the ever-living crap out of each other. Yasmin Jauregui got the decision win, but both women showed that they have a lot to offer to the UFC. Nate Landwer and David Onama almost blew the roof off the place after following the incredible female fight. They built off of that momentum. These guys left it all out there. Onama dropped Landwer and dominated round one, and then the fight just got turned on its head. Landwer dominated round two. These guys were exhausted heading into the third round. They had nothing left in the tank, but they still attacked each other with everything that they had left. Nate Landwer ended up getting the decision win in what was easily the fight of the night, very closely followed by that female fight just prior. We've got to spend a little bit of time on the Marlon Cheeto Vera versus Dominic Cruz fight. Dominic Cruz started off very fast and aggressive with high volume strikes and takedowns, and this fight went exactly as I told you it would last week. Dominic Cruz, his funky movement, strong defense, did very well in the first two rounds. A lot of people think he won the first two rounds. I said starting in the third, Marlon Chito Vera would start to figure out the puzzle that is Dominic Cruz and start to gain momentum. Exactly what I said would happen happened. Chito Vera did get a knockdown in round one with a left hand and showed off his power even though he had very little volume. Cruz would use this blitzing attack, in, specifically in round one, with four or five strike combos just running forward, and he would drive Marlon Chitovera across the entire octagon. Dominic Cruz won round one with his volume versus Vera's lack of volume, and that was the same in round two. So just like I said last week, Dominic Cruz up two rounds to none entering the third, and then Vera, you could tell, started to make a shift in round three just like I said he would. He was falling victim to his usual fight tactics of not putting out enough volume early, but then in round three, Marlon Chito Vera dropped Cruz with a right hand, the second knockdown. Vera had the power to end this fight anytime, but Dominic Cruz was giving him so much to think about that he just wasn't throwing it often. 29-28 Cruz entering into the fourth round, and then Chito Vera got a third knockdown in round four, and the final fourth knockdown was what ended the night. Chito hit Cruz with a left head kick that put Cruz to sleep as he was moving to his right. He let his left hand drop, allowed his face to be exposed, and Cheeto connected with that kick. Dominic Cruz face-planted into the ground, and the bantamweight finishing king got another knockout victory. It would be tough to deny Marlon Cheeto Vera a championship shot next, or at least a title eliminator fight. Excellent weekend of fights. Let's go ahead and review our bets. We had the perfect weekend in PFL just two weekends ago, but last weekend, not so much. We came back down to reality. For the PFL, we were minus 2.05 units and only went one for four. Again, a lot of surprises in this one. Sadabusi versus Carlos Leal, that was our only winner in the PFL. We had Sadabusi money line minus 106, and then we lost the next three fights. Juan Adams versus Mateus Scheffel. We had Juan Adams money line as a loss. Anti Deliha versus Renan Ferreira. We had Brendan Ferreira money line as a loss, and Rory McDonald versus Delano Taylor. We had Rory McDonald, which was a loss by first round knockout. All of those three were losses by knockout. All of those three, the underdog got the win. So hopefully you guys were able to see through these matchups, make yourself some money. Looking at the UFC prelims, Yusef Zalal versus Damon Blackshear. 
We started off the night with a draw, which nullified our Damon Blackshear Moneyline plus 105 bet. We got our money back. Jason Witt versus Josh Quinlan. We originally had Jason Witt last week, and this was added as a catch weight, so we took the same bet as we originally had, which was Jason Witt Moneyline, which was a loss by first round knockout. Ode Osborne versus Tyson Nam. We got back on the underdog train and won. Tyson Nam Moneyline plus 200 by first round knockout. Gabriel Benitez versus Charlie Ontiveros. We got the Gabriel Benitez by finish at minus 250. This is one that I told you I was going to hold out on until I could find it. We got it Saturday morning. He won by first round knockout. Cynthia Calvillo versus Nina Nunez. We won another underdog, Nina Nunez, Moneyline plus 140. And we did a pretty good job on the underdogs on the UFC prelims. We did lose Martin Boudet versus Lucas Brezki. Fight to not go the distance at minus 215. And Angela Hill versus Lupe Godinez. We lost Lupe Godinez money line minus 345. So there still were a few underdogs to catch out there. We didn't grab all of them. For the UFC main card, we had Bruno Silva versus Gerald Mearshart. Bruno Silva by knockout minus 134 was a loss for us. Instead, it was GM3, Gerald Mearshart by sub. Those are the only two options for how this fight was going to end, like I told you. Hopefully, you grabbed the other one. Arian Lipsky versus Priscilla Cachoeira. We had Arian Lipsky minus 200. In an impressive, unfortunately, loss for her by first round knockout, but impressive for Priscilla Cachoeira. Devin Clark versus Azamat Mirzakhanov. We had Azamat money line minus 165 for the win. Yasmin Jauregui versus Jasmine Lucindo. We won Yasmin Jauregui money line minus 200 in an absolute brawl. Nate Landwer versus David Onama. I told you to hammer David Onama by finish. We found that at minus 117. I was very surprised he didn't get it done in round one. It looked like there was a chance he was going to get that finish in round one. And when he didn't get it, he had no energy left for the rest of that fight. He lost, but it was an incredible fight of the night. And then the main event fight, Marlon Chido Vera versus Dominic Cruz. I went back and forth on this one a ton of times because I knew, like I told you, Dominic Cruz was going to win the first two rounds. Then he would just have to survive until the end of the fight and win one more round. But we settled with Marlon Chido Vera at minus 225 for the win. All in for the UFC. Not terrible. We were only down 0.65 units. We went 6-6-1 in the UFC. So in total, with the tough PFL weekend, we were down 2.7 units on the weekend. To take a look at our perfect plate parlays, we'll start off with the home style perfect plate parlay for the PFL. We had Sadabusi and Rory McDonald to win at plus 159. This was unfortunately a loss due to the Rory McDonald first round knockout. The home style perfect plate parlay for the UFC, we had Lupita Godinez, Azamat Mirzakhanov, and David Onama all to win at plus 181. This is one where the underdogs thrived. We had it boosted to 209. It was a loss because Lupita Godinez, who was a large favorite, and David Onama, who was a large favorite to win straight up, both did lose. Let's take a look at how we did on Verdict and give out some podcast awards. We had some highs and lows on verdict for this past weekend. The dogs were barking for the PFL, and with our bad day of PFL betting, we had a bad day on verdict, as we only do basically the playoff fights plus a few more on verdict. No medals for the PFL in this one, as we only picked one of the four winners correctly. 
We salvaged our verdict weekend just barely with the UFC fights. We got a bronze medal for being in the top 60% of predictions. And then to cap it all off on a positive note, we got promoted to blue belt and verdict after this weekend as well. Pretty impressively, out of the eight events we have scored on verdict since launching the podcast, we've earned three bronze medals, one silver, and one championship belt. So five out of the eight events, we have won an accomplishment. Giving out the Homestyle MMA Podcast Awards, we'll start with our Mashed Potatoes PFL Performance of the Night. That has to go to Ante Deliha for his first round knockout victory over the giant Renan Ferreira. And what everyone knew was going to be a one-round fight at most. One of these guys was going to finish each other. He went in there against a gigantic threat, took control of the fight, and came out victorious. There were no early prelims in the UFC, so our mac and cheese UFC prelims performance of the night. We're giving that to Tyson Nam. He had a very impressive first round knockout victory against the surging Ode Osborne after a very long layoff. He'd been asking for a fight, he'd been waiting a long time. He had not fought since, I believe, early 2021. So he was really itching to fight, and in his return, got a first round knockout victory that had to feel great. And then our Chicken and Dumplings UFC main card performance of the night has to go to none other than Marlon Chido Vera. He had the vicious head kick knockout of Dominic Cruz, and this was the first loss out of 28 professional MMA fights for Dominic Cruz where he lost not in a championship fight. That speaks to the skill level of Marlon Chido Vera, and unfortunately probably also speaks to father time catching up to Dominic Cruz. And on that note, Let's go ahead and look forward. Let's dive into the PFL semifinal playoff matchups for featherweights and women's lightweights coming this weekend. I am seeing three out of the four of these PFL playoff matchups incredibly clearly, as I think we all are, but one of these matchups is going to be very, very close. We've had interactions with both of these fighters on social media but one of them has really supported the podcast and we'll go on that in a second pfl fights are going to be saturday at two o'clock eastern time so we're going to have a nice mid-afternoon pfl short break go eat some dinner and the ufc will come back later that saturday night we start off with ryoji kudo versus bubba jenkins kudo is the number two seed featherweight and bubba jenkins is number three these guys are similar in size, and they both had two regular season fights. Kudo went 1-1 one and one and earned 6 points with a first round finish, but also had a decision loss to Brendan Lofnane, who's also fighting in these playoffs later tonight. Jenkins went 2-0 and oh and earned 6 points with 2 decision wins. So with the tiebreaker being a finish, Kudo's the 2 seed, Jenkins is the 3 seed. Both guys end up with 6 total points. Bubba Jenkins had two wins in the regular season last year as well and lost in his first semifinal round matchup to Chris Wade, who's the number one seed in this year's tournament. So you can see we have some repeat fighters in this PFL playoffs. It should be a very exciting featherweight tournament. Unfortunately for Ryoji Kudo, I think this is a very bad matchup stylistically. His last four wins have all come by knockout but his last two losses were against wrestling-heavy fighters. Bubba Jenkins is a former D1 collegiate wrestling champion, and he went 18 for 24 in takedowns in his two regular season fights. I think Bubba Jenkins is just going to be too much for Ryuji Kudo with his wrestling. He'll take down Ryuji many times in this fight, 
And while Bubba Jenkins' jujitsu is not great, I think he's going to be able to continuously take down Kudo as he may be able to get himself back up to his feet a few times, but then Jenkins will just take him down again and again and again. I think Bubba Jenkins can win on the scorecards or finish this fight on the ground, while Ryuji Kudo's really only path to victory in my eyes is getting a knockout. Bubba Jenkins probably knows that, and I anticipate that he goes for at least 10 takedowns in this fight, if it goes a full 3 rounds. Don't count out the power of Ryoji Kudo, but that will deplete as his energy does as well further into the 3 rounds as he's battling the wrestling of Bubba Jenkins. That whole equation comes together for me. Bubba Jenkins gets it done easily here, because it's a tough stylistic matchup for Ryoji Kudo, and I think he wrestles the crap out of Kudo in this one. Our next matchup is Larissa Pacheco versus Olena Kolesnik. Pacheco is the number one seed women's lightweight, and Kolesnik is number four. Both women went 2-0 in the regular season, but Larissa had an impressive 12 points. Out of all the fighters in the tournament, male or female, she, I believe, was the only one with 12 points. She had two first-round finishes in her two regular season fights. Olena Kolesnik scored six points, also very impressive, with two decision wins. I will tell you right now, I am all in on Larissa Pacheco. I think this woman this year is a problem for everybody. Olena does have a three-inch height advantage, but they otherwise measure pretty similarly. After going 0-2 in the 2021 PFL season, Olena Kolesnik impressively bounced back this year with her two wins. She's a Ukrainian karate and Thai boxing champion, but unfortunately for her, Larissa Pacheco wants to strike. Neither woman will go for many takedowns, so I think this will be a stand-up battle. Larissa Pacheco was the 2019 runner-up in this tournament and lost to multiple-time PFL champion Kayla Harrison, who's also in this year's tournament. Larissa Pacheco actually knocked out Olena Kolesnik in a 2021 fight, and unfortunately I think she's going to do it again. Larissa's power is significant. She has one-punch knockout power, which is fairly rare for female fighters. I think Larissa Pacheco is coming for revenge against Kayla Harrison, and I don't think that Olena will be able to stand in her way. Look for Olena Kolesnik to use kicks to help keep Larissa fighting from a distance, but I think Larissa Pacheco works her way inside where she can use her favorite boxing-heavy attack and ultimately turn the lights off on Olena Kolesnik. The PFL Fighter Performance Rating actually had a razor-close fight in Elena's first regular season fight, but had her losing. I think Larissa Pacheco keeps her fast pace going in this fight. She comes out like a bull and immediately goes after Elena Kolesnik, and ultimately, Larissa Pacheco gets another first-round knockout. Our next PFL matchup, I think, is the fight of the night in the PFL. It's an incredible matchup. Would have been incredible to have in the finals as well. We're getting it early here in the semifinals. It is the number one seed featherweight Chris Wade and the number four seed Brendan Lofnane. These are the two fighters I was speaking about earlier who have really engaged with us on social media. Chris Wade in particular likes a lot of our comments, responds back. He's shown a lot of love to the podcast. This is the best fight of the night for the PFL. Wade went 2-0 in the regular season with 9 total points between a first-round finish and a decision victory. And Brendan Lofnane went 2-0 as well, but got 6 points via 2 decision victories. 
Both fighters have interacted with the podcast, like I said, on social media, so I appreciate both of these men very much. A lot of respect to both of them, but we have to pick a winner here. They're similar in size. Brendan Lofnane was actually the number one seed in the 2021 PFL playoffs last year, but lost in the semifinals. On the other side of that same bracket, Chris Wade, like I mentioned, beat Bubba Jenkins, who's in this tournament fighting earlier in the night in the semifinals last year before losing the PFL championship fight against the fighter who eliminated Brandon Lofnane in the previous round. So basically, like I'm saying, Chris Wade won the semifinal matchup against Bubba Jenkins last year. Brandon Lofnane lost his semifinal matchup, and then that person went on to beat Chris Wade in the whole tournament. So Chris Wade was in the finals last year. The guy was a fight away from a million dollars. Both fighters have a lot of experience, a lot of success in the PFL, but they're looking for that elusive PFL championship. Chris Wade is a volume-heavy striker. Brendan Lofnane is an offensive wrestler, going 16 for 22 in takedowns in his two regular season fights. Even with two three-round decisions for Lofnane versus Wade's three-round fight and first-round finish, Chris Wade threw 600 punches in his two fights. So in four rounds, 600 punches. In six rounds for his two fights for Brendan Lofnane, he threw 414. This is going to be an awesome fight. Both fighters do not like each other. They've had bad blood in all the press leading up to this fight. I think they will be battling very hard to get to the championship. In Wade's 2021 PFL championship loss, he gave up a lot of takedowns as his opponent went 8 for 13. I think Brendan Lofnane will need to use a similar tactic by trying to utilize wrestling to grind his way to a victory. But Chris Wade is an excellent fighter, and I don't think he's going to allow that same strategy to work again this year. With a win over Bubba Jenkins last year as well, I think Chris Wade is ready to handle wrestling this year, and he will punch and kick his way to a decision victory. This is the fight to watch. These are the best two featherweights this year. I would have loved to see this fight in the finals. We're getting it right out of the gate in the semifinals, and I think Chris Wade is going to get it done and find himself back in that championship fight. Our last PFL playoff matchup of the night is Kayla Harrison versus Martina Jindrova. Kayla Harrison is the number two seed women's lightweight, and Jindrova is the number three seed. The two-time PFL champion and two-time Olympic judo gold medalist Kayla Harrison is back to capture her crown again this year as the queen of the PFL. Kayla Harrison is an all-time great female fighter in my opinion. I love her story. I love what she stands for. I don't think that this fight is going to keep her from going to the championship again. At an undefeated 14-0, she is facing a less experienced Martina Gingerova at 6-2. Martina did earn 9 points in her two regular season appearances with a first round stoppage and a decision win. Martina Gingerova has looked very good this year, but I don't think that she has faced anything close to the wrestling that she's about to face tonight. Kayla Harrison, she earned 9 points in her 2-0 regular season. The decision win in a first round stoppage. Kayla landed a perfect 20 for 20 in takedowns in those two fights. Martina needs to fight behind her jab, constantly move, because Kayla is going to be hunting her down. Kayla will be looking to take this fight to the ground, where there are just not many women on the planet who can hang with her on the ground. I don't think that Jindrova can keep her feet for three rounds against Kayla Harrison. I don't think she's a knockout power to finish Harrison either. So I think Kayla Harrison gets a dominant win to start her championship run. Probably going to be another first-round finish for Kayla Harrison, if we are being honest. Our early PFL predictions are that Chris Wade will be the 2022 featherweight champion, and Larissa Pacheco 
will be the women's lightweight champion in a stunning upset and revenge win for Larissa Pacheco. It'll be her first loss for Kayla Harrison. I know that's a stunner. Kayla Harrison, you're awesome. You're phenomenal. I love you as a fighter. I want you to face some adversity, though. And I would love to see a trilogy. So I want a trilogy of these women fighting. I want a rivalry. Kayla Harrison beat Pacheco in the past. And I think Kayla Harrison gets her first true rival and threat this year with Larissa Pacheco winning the championship. That is a bold prediction, but that is why we are here doing the podcast. So I'm going back through everybody doing some editing for the podcast. And I noticed, like I'm sure you have as well, this little jingle in the background. I apologize for that. That is my sweet little dog, Athena. Well, not so little dog. She's 60-pound hound dog. Uh, She snuck into the room while I was recording. I didn't realize it. I'm working with noise-canceling headphones, so I had no idea she was in the background trying to get comfortable to take a little nap. So I'll keep an eye on that in the future going forward. I apologize for that distraction. Like I said, that's just my dog, Athena, trying to get comfortable to take a little snooze, and I will make sure to lock the door in the future so that she can't sneak in for future episodes. Let's dive into the UFC matchups. I'll try to keep the prelims as short as I can. With this being a UFC pay-per-view event, it is going to be a late night force. The UFC early prelims start at 6 o'clock Eastern Time. Starts off with Daniel Da Silva versus Victor Altamirano. These guys are similar in size. Daniel Da Silva is 0-2 in the UFC with one loss by knockout and the other by submission. This is a must-win fight for Daniel Da Silva if he wants to stay in the UFC. Every professional fight he has been in has ended by finish with his 11-3 record. Victor Altamirano won a split decision victory on Dana White Contender Series to earn a spot on the roster where he then lost a split decision. Both fighters want a dominant victory to get some momentum and validate their placement on the roster. Daniel Da Silva's three opponents prior to the UFC had a combined record of 37-25-3, while Altamirano's are 24-8. This will be a close fight, but Da Silva's UFC competition has been very good in his two fights and I'm taking him to get back on track and stay on the roster. Aroki Lang versus Jay Perrin. Similar in size, Aroki Lane is 1-2 in the UFC, but got a knockout victory his last time out. Jay Perrin lost his only UFC appearance by decision, and also lost a Dana White Contender Series appearance back in 2019. Aroki Lane needs to keep this fight standing, as he is 2-3 by submission, and Jay is 4-1 by submission. Both guys do like to go for takedowns, but they also both struggle with being on the bottom position. This is another tough fight to pick, but we're going with Aroki Lang with his UFC experience and the momentum from his first round knockout win his last time out. Amir Albazi versus Francisco Figueiredo. Similar in size, Amir Albazi is 2-0 in the UFC and has finished 12 of his 14 professional fights with 8 submissions. He has never been finished. Francisco Figueiredo is 2-1 in the UFC and coming off of a submission victory. He has finished 11 of his 13 wins. Even though these are flyweights, I don't think that this fight will go to the judges. They have a shared UFC opponent in Malcolm Gordon, whom Amir beat and Figueiredo lost to. Amir Albazi is strong both on the feet and on the ground in top position or bottom, so I think that he has a few areas where he could win. I think these fighters are going to get in some intense jujitsu grappling on the ground, and ultimately someone will submit the other. We're going with Amir to get the finish as a little more active stand-up fighter and also very skilled on the ground. I think Amir Albazi has a strong chance to start to rise up in the featherweight ranks. 
Our last UFC early prelim fight is AJ Fletcher versus Ange Lusa. Lusa has a 7-inch reach advantage, and this is a matchup of wrestler or jiu-jitsu specialist AJ Fletcher versus striking specialist Ange Lusa. Both fighters lost their only UFC roster appearances. Lusa threw 48 leg kicks in his last fight. AJ Fletcher averages 4.31 takedowns per fight and 1.72 submission attempts, while Lusa averages twice as many significant strikes landed per minute. Between his Dana White Contender Series appearance and UFC loss, Lusa only had to defend five takedowns, but his opponents were 0-5, so he successfully defended each one. AJ Fletcher, he's probably going to go for at least two takedowns a round, and he's good enough at jiu-jitsu that I think he can give Lusa a pretty tough time. We are going with AJ Fletcher in this one to end the UFC early prelims. Now let's go ahead and take a look at the UFC prelims. The UFC prelim matchups are going to start at 8 o'clock Eastern time with Miranda Maverick versus Shayna Young. Shayna Young, four inches taller, but they do have a similar reach. Miranda Maverick is 3-2 and two in the UFC and is coming off of a submission win. She has never been finished as a pro. With a Mai Tai background, she actually has seven submission victories out of her 12, so she's a very well-rounded MMA fighter. Shayna Young is 1-2 and two in the UFC and is, and is coming off of a knockout victory. Shayna is 3-2 and two by submission and Miranda is 7-0. and oh. In Young's two losses, she gave up 5 of 12 takedown attempts for around 12 total minutes of control time through four and a half rounds. Miranda Maverick went four for seven on takedowns with four minutes of control time in her second round submission win last time out. I think that is the clear path to victory for Miranda Maverick. Look for her to get a few takedowns early and finish this fight on the ground. Our next prelim fight is Sean Woodson versus Luis Saldana. Sean Woodson is three inches taller and has a five inch reach advantage. He is almost strictly a striker, but Luis Saldana doesn't typically wrestle much either. If the fight does hit the ground, Luis Saldana is very skilled with 7 submission wins. He's finished 14 of his 16 wins. He won his Dana White Contender Series appearance and is 2-1 in the UFC ever since. Sean Woodson also won his Dana White Contender Series appearance, and he has gone 3-1 in the UFC on a 2-fight win streak. Sean Woodson has a lot of power in his hands, and he's had 2 knockdowns in his last 3 fights, with 1 ending by knockout, while Luis Saldana has been knocked down in two of his four UFC appearances, including Dana White Contender Series. Sean Woodson has faced very strong wrestlers in the past and demonstrated excellent takedown defense. I think he'll be happy to fight a striker this weekend, and his size and length will be a big problem on the feet, so we're going with Sean Woodson to get it done here with his striking. Wu Yanan versus Lucy Pudilova. Similar in size, Wu Yanan is 1-4 in the UFC with a three-fight losing streak, and she has to win to stay on the roster. She has finished 11 of her 12 wins and has only been finished once. Lucy Pudilova is making her return to the UFC. She fought back on the UFC from 2017 through 2020 and went 2-5 and five before being dropped from the roster on a four-fight losing streak. Lucy Pudilova lost to extremely talented UFC fighters such as Antonina Shevchenko, Liz Carmouche, and Irene Aldana. Both women have faced strong UFC competition in their careers. This is a very tough fight to predict because we don't know how much Lucy Pudilova has improved in her time away from the UFC. She did go 5-1 and one outside of the UFC against competition with a combined record of 35-20 and 20 to earn another shot in the UFC. 
Yanan's past five UFC opponents combined for 38, 10, and 1. So Yanan has faced a lot stronger competition in her last five outings. We're going to take Wu Yanan to get a win and keep her spot on the roster. The UFC prelims are ending with Leonardo Santos versus Jared Gordon. Leonardo Santos is three inches taller. He is a seven-inch reach advantage. Santos is on a two-fight losing streak in the UFC after winning his previous six. Santos is 42 years old now. He took a three-year break from fighting from 2016 to 2019, so he has not had a lot of winning lately since 2019. Jared Gordon lost his last fight as well that ended a three-fight win streak in the UFC. Gordon was outstriking his opponent in his last time out, but gave up 7 of 17 takedowns and lost by rear naked choke. In his last two fights, Gordon has given up 11 of 24 takedowns in 13 minutes of control time. Jared Gordon has to keep this fight standing, and it's even more true going up against Leonardo Santos, who's 9-1 by submission. If the fight hits the ground, Jared Gordon could be at heavy risk of being submitted by Leonardo Santos. This fight should really be much closer from an odds standpoint, with both fighters coming off of losses, with Leonardo Santos being excellent at submissions, Jared Gordon struggling with takedowns wrestling and on the ground. Luckily, Leonardo Santos doesn't really go for many takedowns. He more excels in his jiu-jitsu once the fight ends up on the ground. So Jared Gordon may be able to keep this fight on the feet. He still has to overcome a significant size and reach disadvantage, but I can't go with a 42-year-old Leonardo Santos coming off of two finishing losses. We're going with Jared Gordon. He usually gets decision wins, so we'll have to figure out a unique way to bet this one, since right now Jared Gordon is a pretty sizable favorite. Let's go ahead and take a look at the UFC 278 pay-per-view main card. Alright, let's make sure that we give some props to the UFC. These next several pay-per-views are all outstanding. These are must-see UFC cards to get. Let's dive into the UFC 278. It'll be starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time with Tyson Pedro versus Harry Hunsucker. Tyson Pedro is the biggest favorite on the card. He's a 4-inch reach advantage. After going 2-2 two two in his last four fights, 1-1 one one by knockout and 1-1 one one by submission. So all of his last four fights have ended by finish. 22 of the 23 combined fights of these fighters have ended by finish. These guys are either going to live or die by their shield. They are going out there to either finish you or be finished. There's no way that this is not an extremely exciting fight. Harry Hunsucker is 0-2 in the UFC with both losses by knockout. He is 1-3 in his last four fights with no fight going past three and a half minutes of the first round. Harry Hunsucker attacks you immediately from the starting bell, and he's either going to finish you or get finished in that first round. He is 3-5 by knockout. I think this fight ends by finish, and I think it ends within one and a half rounds. Those will be bets that we'll be taking a look at. Tyson Pedro, he returned in April of this year for his knockout victory after not fighting since December of 2018. So that is a huge layoff for Tyson Pedro. I'm hoping that during that time he worked on his game. Hopefully he doesn't have any ring rust because he did get a fast knockout victory. This is Harry Hunsucker's first appearance of the year as well. So both these guys are eager to get back in the octagon and just go crazy like they always do. 
it's a weird fight because they can both win or lose at any minute with them both being such exceptional finishers while also being susceptible to the finish. So expect it to end quickly with Tyson Pedro probably winning. We will likely bet the fight to not go the distance or the fight to end within one and a half rounds. One of those kind of unique plays here to try to get some better odds and a better chance at winning. We'll have to get creative, probably with a specific Tyson Pedro bet to either win within a certain amount of time, to win by finish. We're going to take a look at all the betting options. I'm leaning Tyson Pedro straight up, but this will be a unique bet for us. Then we go to the heavyweights, Marcin Tybura versus Alexander Romanov. Tybura is the number 11 ranked heavyweight and Romanov is ranked number 13. Tybura has the 1 inch height advantage and 3 inch reach advantages. He's won 5 in a row before losing his last fight by decision. Alexander Romanov is undefeated 16-0 with 15 finishes. These are both excellent fighters. Tybura, 5-1 in his last 6. Romanov, undefeated at 16-0 with 15 finishes. I am on the Romanov train. I think he is legit. I think this is a huge step up in competition for him, but it's time. I think he can win by either knockout or submission. Romanov was 8-10 and 10 in takedowns in his last two fights with 8.5 minutes of control time during around 12 minutes of total fight time. So he got his opponents to the ground and held them there for most of those fights. Romanov is a wrestling and jiu-jitsu machine for the heavyweight division. I think that he can really wear down Marcin Tybura. Tybura has never been finished by submission, so I think Romanov may need to take him down and get the win by ground and pound, because Tybura does have four knockout losses on his record. It's a very even fight, though, because Tybura can wrestle as well. He went for 16 takedowns in his last fight. I think this line is likely too wide, because Romanov is a pretty large favorite. Like I said, I do love Romanov, but Tybura is no joke at heavyweight. He won five in a row before losing his last fight. The guy's very, very good. So I think the odds should be a little bit closer. We're going to take Romanov to win, but because the odds are so wide, we're likely going to have to take a look at a unique line for him to win by finish for better odds. This is going to just be a very good fight, though. I think this is an excellent test for Romanov because he is really trying to make a name for himself now that he's in the rankings of the heavyweight division. I just think... Romanov is ready to make his way up into those higher heavyweight ranks and start facing elite competition. Marcin Tybura, in my opinion, is elite competition. This is going to be an excellent matchup. While it lasts, there's no way this one reaches the judges' scorecards. Jose Aldo versus Marab Davalishvili. What a freaking fight. No one wants any part of either of these two guys in the bantamweight division. So the UFC said, you know what? We're going to put you guys up against each other. Jose Aldo. The MMA legend is the number three ranked bantamweight currently, and Marab is number six. The winner of this fight should get a title shot next. Now, Marlon Chito Vera did put a wrinkle into things with his impressive finish last weekend against Dominic Cruz, but Jose Aldo and Marab have been unstoppable machines in the bantamweight division lately, with Jose Aldo again being an absolute legend. These guys are similar in size, and this fight is just straight up amazing. Jose Aldo looks as fast as ever, and Marab Davalishvili looks like he may have the best gas tank in the UFC. He's had 7.3 takedowns averaged per fight. The guy can wrestle you 
forever without getting tired. Jose Aldo is on a three-fight win streak after losing the bantamweight title fight to Peter Yan back in 2020. Morab has won seven fights in a row. Out of their combined last 10 fights, nine have gone to a decision, which actually makes me even more excited. Typically, I love to see the finishes, but I would love to see these guys go at it for three full rounds. I think this fight to go a decision could be a sneaky good bet because picking a winner in this one is just going to be very tough. Jose Aldo is a lightning fast striker. He's got a ton of power in his kicks and his punches, but he throws excellent kicks. Marab wrestles and grinds you down until you have no energy left or no will to fight. This is a big step up in competition for Marab, but I think he is ready. I think Marab will get the win with his exceptional wrestling, but this will be a very close decision. Neither fighter has fought since 2021, and they're itching to go. They were both asking for what's next, what's next. They both have wanted to fight for a long time. Marab has been training for a fight for several months now because he's been trying to get a matchup. So he may come into this fight in incredible shape. He's looking great on social media. This is such a great matchup that anything can really happen. Jose Aldo is a legend. He's still going strong after all of the wars that he has been through. But I think this is going to be another war for him. And I think Marab Devalishvili wants to put Aldo's name on his resume to petition for a title shot. Fantastic fight. Keep an eye on the fight to go the distance, or maybe look at the over for the number of rounds, because this is such a close matchup. If I had to pick a winner for head-to-head, I am leaning Marab Devalishvili. We follow that amazing fight up with another freaking amazing fight. We have Paulo Costa versus the return of Luke Rockhold. Paulo Costa is the number six ranked middleweight in the UFC. Luke Rockhold, two inches taller, five-inch reach advantage. He is making his return to fighting after taking a break since July of 2019. He is a former UFC middleweight champion. He's looking great in training on social media. He's stepping into the cage against probably the strongest middleweight in the UFC. I'm talking physically strongest. Paulo Costa looks like his body was sculpted by a Greek god. I'm a little bit worried about Paulo Costa because of that for making weight. He struggled a little bit with making weight. He fought at light heavyweight in his last fight after they had to move the weight up twice. But hopefully he beats the scale. That'll be step one for Paulo Costa. If he wants to win this fight, he has to beat the scale first. This is Costa's first appearance since October of 2021. This is an interesting fight because Luke Rockhold loves to wrestle. He went for five takedowns in his last fight in two rounds but both of his last two fights were knockout losses. That's part of why he took that time off, tried to let his body recover before he comes back into the octagon, but is coming back against the incredibly hard-hitting Paulo Costa. On the flip side, Costa's also on a two-fight losing streak. Rockhold, what scares me the absolute most in this fight, is he is 6-5 and five by knockout. That is his danger. Paulo Costa has 11 knockout wins out of his 13 total professional wins. Luke Rockhold has to pick his takedowns carefully. He has to get Costa to the mats to win this fight. Paulo Costa only needs to land one punch to shut the lights off. Unfortunately, in this matchup, I think he gets it done against Luke Rockhold for another unfortunate knockout loss for Luke Rockhold. I think he's a really funny guy. I think he's a nice guy. I just worry that coming off two knockout losses 
taking off a substantial amount of time from fighting. There might be a little bit of octagon ring rust and fighting an incredibly heavy hitter in Paulo Costa. It's just not a great recipe for a comeback. Granted, if he gets a win, he beats the number six ranked middleweight, immediately inserts himself into a potential title shot or soon. I think this is a fight where the longer it goes on, the more it will benefit Luke Rockhold because he will try to wrestle the energy away from Paulo Costa. Expect Luke Rockhold, if we make it through the first round, to probably go for at least four takedown attempts. Unless he gets one or two and is able to just keep Paulo Costa on the ground and get two or three minutes of control time. It's very obvious what the plan is going to be for both these guys in this fight, but I think Costa will be the most dangerous to Luke in round one. We're going to go with Paulo Costa, and I think he could find that knockout in round one. That takes us to the main event fight with one of my absolute favorite all-time fighters. Let's take a look at it. Man, oh man, are we in for a treat with the UFC 278 main event fight. We have Kamaru Usman, the current welterweight champion of the world. All this guy does is win, is facing the number two ranked challenger, Leon Edwards, who I think is going to be his hardest title defense out of his last several title defenses for Kamaru Usman. These guys are similar in size dimensionally. But Leon Edwards has really bulked up over the last few years. Let me be perfectly clear. I love Kamar Usman. His progression as a fighter, specifically since he's been a champion, is probably some of the most incredible displays of working on your craft of all time. He came into the UFC as an absolutely dominant wrestler, but now his hands have caught up and he can knock out anybody. Usman's going for his seventh title defense in this one. He has a previous decision win against Leon Edwards, way back in 2015, where he did land 6 of 13 takedowns. But let's make no mistake, this will be a very different fighter that Leon Edwards is facing, but the same for Kamaru Usman. Leon Edwards has not lost since that 2015 fight against Kamaru Usman. He's had one draw since then, but he's had 9 wins. He's had 10 fights where he hasn't lost since that 2015 matchup. My concern a little bit for Leon Edwards is he did get rocked by Nate Diaz in round five of his last fight, which is a little bit concerning because I think Kamar Usman has significantly more power than Nate Diaz. I think Leon Edwards is a great fighter, but I think Kamar Usman has entered a new stratosphere of greatness in the UFC as an MMA fighter. For current MMA fighters on the roster, I think Kamar Usman is in a league of his own. He's approaching all-time greatness in my eyes at this point. He's starting to enter the all-time greatness conversation. If he puts together a few more wins, it's going to be tough to argue against it. He scored two knockdowns against Colby Covington in his last title defense and had two knockout wins before that. His hands have caught up, everybody, and the kid can deliver power. Usman was a problem when he was just a good wrestler. The fact that he can now knock you down or out on your feet puts him at the highest level of skill across all of MMA. The big question mark on this one is how well is Kamar Usman's hand? He just had hand surgery a few months ago. This is his first fight post-hand surgery. The good thing for Usman is that even if something happens to that hand during the fight, he's still an elite wrestler. He can always fall back on his elite level of wrestling and try to work Leon Edwards back down to the mats. Make no mistake, though, you know Leon Edwards has been practicing wrestling 
so much since his 2015 matchup. He really came in as just a striker in that 2015 matchup that he lost, and he's really developed his MMA game. Like I said, I think Leon Edwards is probably some of his best competition he's faced in quite some time. Yes, I'm including Colby Covington. Yes, I'm including Jorge Masvidal. I think that Kamaru Usman gets the win here, continues to build his case for one of the greatest fighters of all time, not just by winning, but I think he may get another finish victory late in this fight, potentially rounds four or five. I love this main card. I love this main event. I hope to see Kamaru Usman continue to win. And let's go ahead and take a look at our bets for the weekend. As always, please bet responsibly as you know. If you have a gambling problem, please call your state's hotline. Let's talk about some quick changes to the betting segment. We're making another quick change here. We're going to keep the homestyle gravy bets as our favorite picks of the weekend. We are now going to add a going back for more, like going back for another plate of food bets. These are bets that I'm so confident in that I'll be putting two units on them. Typically, we put one unit down on each bet. That way, I'm telling you things that I am being involved in. But there are some bets I'm so confident in. I want to put two units down. That way, you could really start making some money on the podcast. Sometimes we have bets I think can go either way. We're going to keep those as their one-unit bets. Others that I think are absolute locks. Let's go ahead and double those up. Listen for those. As I'll call them out, I'll let you know if we're spreading some homestyle gravy on the bet, if it's just one of my favorite picks of the weekend, or if we're going to be going back for more. That way we can spread a little bit more heavy on those bets. Let's go ahead and dive into the PFL. Here's the problem with the PFL bets this weekend, everybody. The favorites are huge in these fights, and I do like all the favorites to win on this card. Now, I know a bunch of underdogs just won recently. I'm not worried about that, but the bets we're going to have to place in order to make them worth our while are very unique. Now, the sportsbook that I use for the podcast, I use two sportsbooks. Neither one has released kind of those unique betting odds just yet. They're all just straight money line bets for the PFL. They will likely have these updated Saturday morning. Please go check out the podcast's social media accounts. I'll be mentioning them at the end of the episode. I will make a post Saturday morning when I've completed these unique bets. That way you could find what we are writing with. I'll tell you about the matchup still and tell you what I am looking for. But then, like I said, check out podcast social media pages on Saturday to see what we were able to lock in once the sportsbooks were able to offer us the lines. The first matchup is Ryuji Kudo versus Bubba Jenkins. Bubba Jenkins, I think, is going to win, but he's currently minus 435. We're not going to waste our time. So what I'll be looking for is Bubba Jenkins over one and a half rounds. If that's not under around minus 250 or better, we're going to look for Bubba Jenkins by decision. Larissa Pacheco versus Elena Kolesnik. I am super, super confident Larissa Pacheco wins this fight by knockout. This is a home-style gravy bet. This is a going back for more bet. Larissa Pacheco's hands have been beautiful this year. She's been knocking out everybody. She's about to knock out Elena Kolesnik again, like she's done before in the past. But she's currently a minus 670 favorite. No chance we bet that. So once it comes out, Larissa Pacheco by knockout, it will likely be better than around that minus 250. So we'll take it. If it's not, 
will go Pacheco to finish within one and a half rounds. I think that'll probably just be a standard one unit bet if we do that. I am still confident in it as a homestyle gravy bet. I think Pacheco gets a first round knockout. But if we can just get Pacheco by knockout at decent odds, we're going to be doubling that one up going with two units as a going back for more. Chris Wade versus Brendan Lofnane. I like Chris Wade. He's currently minus 250, which is right on that edge that I am comfortable with. But I think this fight probably goes to a decision. So I'm more just curious in seeing what those lines look like. I think this fight goes over one and a half rounds. I don't know if that'll be better than minus 250 or not. I think this fight likely goes Chris Wade by decision. I don't know if we're going to get that greedy, but I need to see some alternate lines on this fight because Brendan Lofting is a very good fighter. I think Chris Wade will probably win, but I also think this is one that will potentially go long probably to a decision. So I just got to see what those look like, guys. The last fight for the PFL, Kayla Harrison versus Martina Jindrova. This is another one where it is a homestyle gravy bet. Going back for more bet, Kayla Harrison finishes this fight. That might not be enough. She's currently a minus 5,000 favorite. Kayla Harrison by finish might end up being minus 1,000, which still will not be worth it for us. So I need to see what Kayla Harrison by finish looks like. And if it's Kayla Harrison by finish within one and a half rounds gets us closer to that minus 250 or better, then that's what I'm going to take. I'm so confident in Kayla Harrison in this one. Kayla Harrison finished within one and a half rounds is a homestyle gravy top bet of the weekend, but it's also going to be a going back for more. That'll be a double unit bet once those lines come out. Let's go ahead and dive into the UFC. Early prelims, we have Daniel Da Silva versus Victor Altamirano. We've got a few we're going to have to wait for on the UFC as well, but this is not one of them. We're taking Daniel Da Silva. We got him at plus 160 money line. Aroki Lang versus Jay Perrin. We grabbed Aroki Lang minus 160 money line. Amir Albazi versus Francisco Figueiredo. This is one we're going to have to take a pause. I think Amir Albazi wins. He's currently minus 500. Anyone who knows anything about betting, that's not really going to be worth it for us right now. So I need to see Amir Albazi by finish once that comes out and available. That's what I think we're probably going to bet. This is a tough fight to bet because it is so wide. By finish will likely put us closer to even money. That's what we're going to take on Saturday. Our last early prelim bet, AJ Fletcher versus Ange Lusa. We're taking AJ Fletcher minus 160 money line. That takes us into the UFC prelims. we got another fight right here. We're going to have to take a look at what happens. Miranda Maverick versus Shayna Young. Super confident Miranda Maverick wins this fight, but I'm not going to bet it at minus 650. So we're going to take Miranda Maverick by finish once it comes out. And this is one where we could probably get pretty good value. She's going to be close to even money, maybe plus money. And this is a homestyle gravy bet. And we're going back for more. I think Miranda Maverick wins this fight by finish. I think she's building momentum, building some steam to really make a push towards the top of this division. I think Shanna Young is working her way backwards. Miranda Maverick by finish, going back for more for some homestyle gravy once it's available. Sean Woodson versus Luis Saldana. I do believe Sean Woodson would win straight up, but it's a pretty big odds, so I don't love it. So we're going to take Sean Woodson versus Luis Saldana over one and a half rounds. That's going to get us minus 300. Sean Woodson's around minus 350, so it's marginally better. But, eh, you know, minus 300 still kind of stinks, except for the fact that we are going back for more. I think this fight, regardless of who wins, is going over one and a half rounds. We went for two units. Still not a ton of profit at minus 300, but this is a homestyle gravy bet going back for more. 
Wu Yanan versus Lucy Pudilova. We went with Wu Yanan plus 106 money line and Leonardo Santos versus Jared Gordon. We went Jared Gordon money line minus 286. That's a little wide for me. I didn't love anything else I was looking at though, so we had to go with it. That takes us into our UFC pay-per-view main card, Tyson Pedro versus Harry Hunsucker. This one is a little bit interesting. I liked Tyson Pedro. He is a huge favorite, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with. Fight to not go the distance and under one and a half rounds are huge favorites. Those I do agree with. There's no chance this fight goes long. I think it probably ends in the first round, but I wouldn't necessarily count out Harry Hunsucker as much as the odds are showing. So we are going with any fighter to win by knockout at minus 240. Being honest with you, this was the best bet I could find on the fight, but I don't love it. There are some submission skills out there with these guys as well, particularly for Harry Hunsucker. Don't love this one. Definitely a one-unit bet. This fight is gonna end before it goes to the judges, so we're just gonna take a fighter to win by knockout and cheer for some violence. Marcin Tybura versus Alexander Romanov. We have Alexander Romanov by finish for minus 130. I think he can get it done with his hands or by submission. But like I mentioned to you earlier, he probably needs to get it done via ground and pound. Jose Aldo versus Marab Devalishvili. I do like Marab straight up, but because of my respect for Jose Aldo and because this is just what I want to see, like I told you earlier, I want to see these guys battle for three rounds. Because of that, we are going fight to go the distance just so we can cheer for a three-round war between these two gentlemen at minus 195. I do think this is also a likely scenario. So I did make it a homestyle gravy bet, but we are not going back for more on this one. A finish could happen. I think Jose Aldo could win by finish. I think Marab wins by decision most likely. So we're just going to go for the fight to go the distance and cheer for a great battle. Paulo Costa versus Luke Rockhold. We went with Paulo Costa by knockout, minus 160. In the final main event fight of the night, we got pretty creative with this bet. Hopefully you could find it with your sports book. But we got Kamar Usman versus Leon Edwards. We're taking Kamar Usman to win in over three and a half rounds. I think he can get the finish late, round four or round five, or win this one on the scorecards. This is a homestyle gravy bet, and it is a going back for more bet. Very confident that Kamar Usman wins this one in over three and a half rounds. Let's take a look at the homestyle perfect to plate parlays, starting with the PFL. This is one because we're doing all this waiting. We're going to have to keep waiting, but I will tell you exactly what we're going to do. And it's an exciting parlay to put together. We're going to do Larissa Pacheco by knockout and Kayla Harrison by finish. Once I get those odds, we'll put it together. Whatever the number comes out to be, that is what we are going with. For the Homestyle Perfect to Plate Parlay for the UFC, that one we have right now and available. We're taking Miranda Maverick, Alexander Romanov, and Kamaru Usman all to win at minus 121. Very confident with this one as a going back for more bet if you want to place two units on this fight. Please check out the social media pages. I'll put something out Saturday morning once I get all these alternate lines to let you know exactly what we're doing for these handful of fights that we're going to have to wait on for now. Let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast. As always, please bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. I'll be posting my verdict scorecard prior to the events on social media for the podcast, as well as those handful of bets that were waiting on the alternate lines. 
please go follow at the Homestyle MMA Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and at Homestyle MMA Pod on Twitter. Check out www.thehomestylemmapodcast.podbean.com for additional information about the podcast. We're going to keep growing content on social media. We're getting a lot of engagement. We're starting to gain some followers as well, so it's a very exciting point in our journey here as we start to grow. Next week, we'll do a rapid recap of the fights from this weekend, and we will preview next week's matchups after that. Till next time, this is Sean Van Buren on the Homestyle MMA Podcast. Y'all have a good one.